I think it applies both to business and the personal life in terms of what I try to do more and more of. And that's building a deeper connection with people around me. Like, that's what I strive for. I think build a deeper connection and try to truly understand who people are, their past experiences, what has shaped them, what motivates them. We need to make sure that as humans, we're as happy and joyful and as content as we can be in our lives. And I think building deeper connections is a great way to do that. Hello, my name is Lauren D'Souza, and you're listening to Retain, the Customer Retention Podcast. More and more companies are wanting to focus on retaining customers, but what exactly are the powers of customer retention? And how are companies using it to keep their customers coming back for more? That's what we're here to find out. Today on the show, we're talking to Sandeep Dubey, the Chief Operating Officer at Intuit MailChimp. MailChimp is known as the world's leading email marketing platform. Sandeep is a powerhouse of transformational growth leadership, having found himself in various SVP roles for huge Fortune 500 companies. He's joining us today to talk about how we can all harness the power of being customer obsessed, the power of a customer advisory board, and pretty much all things customer focused. It's a real pleasure to have you here today, Sandeep. Lauren, thanks for having me. This conversation is about the customer, and for me, that's super exciting. So let's dive in. Yeah, I'm also excited because I think you are just all about the customer, all focused on that. So I, as you know, with our show, we're all about retention. We're all about the customer as well. And on our show, we bring on lovely different guests who talk about the different aspects of retention. But as both you and I know, it's all about the customer first and putting the customer at the forefront. So I'm really excited with your extensive expertise and your background to learn more about your insights about this and hear what you have to bring to the episode today. But why don't we backtrack and we'll start from the beginning. And I would love to know a little bit more about your background and what even got you interested in the world of customer retention. A little of it goes back to me as an individual. I'm somebody who's very attuned to emotions and behaviors and motivations. That's the way I've always been. And given that description as a early starter, early in my career, in my professional career, as I got exposed to various business functions, I started gravitating more and more to the human side of the equation, which is the customer. And so at the end of the day, that's how I think about myself as a professional. I'm somebody who understands customer behavior really well. And then by understanding that and understanding the organization's strategy, whomsoever I'm working for, their strategy, putting those two pieces together is how I drive revenue growth. So that's the simplest way of describing who I am. Sweet and simple to the point. I love it. <laughs> that's awesome. And obviously, you have a very interesting role right now that you're holding at MailChimp. So maybe we'll start the conversation there with a little bit of context for our listeners. Actually, the not funny, but I guess the most common thing is the majority of our audience is, I would say, Shopify owners or business owners in the e-commerce and retail space. And so many of those of our customers and the audience are MailChimp users. So I know they'll be very excited to hear from you. So I'm sure everybody knows about MailChimp, but I would love to know more about your main role there, what your focus is, and a little bit more about your work with MailChimp. So like you mentioned earlier on, I'm the chief operating officer and the chief customer success officer at MailChimp. And essentially what that entails is I lead a bunch of different functions that are all focused on essentially the operating model 
or the human assistance side of the equation. And so I, I run strategy for MailChimp and business operations and planning. I also run customer-facing organizations like human assistance. So all human assistance across the organization, customer insights and market insights, analytics, which is often digging into what the customer is doing, and then a function called revenue operations, which is how do we deliver the right business outcomes across go-to-market uh, uh, entities. Okay, so you are very busy, it seems. <laughs> and I guess... For yourself, how do you find all of those different focuses play together or work together? Like, What is your driving force between connecting all of those different focuses that you have? Strategy is at the core of it, right? Strategy is what uh, helps us define what we want to focus on. And I think all these other functions, I, I think of them as enablers. Human assistance is nothing but how do we deliver on our promise to our customer that derives out of this strategy that we have for our business? Uh, analytics is nothing but analyzing what our customer is doing and making sure that it's having the impact that our strategy has basically defined. So I think strategy is the center core of it. And then all of these other functions basically deliver on it. Business operations and planning is a very important one because that ties everything together. It's like, how do you start from strategy and then deliver across you know, using the right op mix in the organization? So I know it's a diverse set of functions, but it's all like kind of tied together. Absolutely. And I think that's really interesting because I think a lot of companies, whether a small, like a small boutique shop owner or all the way up to something the size of MailChimp, this concept remains the same, right? It's all about the fact that strategy is at the core of it. And these are the enablers and trying to figure out those bits and pieces. And that's actually the hypothesis that we're after here on this podcast is figuring out those enablers themselves and how it's going to affect the overall strategy for a business, each and every one being different. And so on the topic of customer retention, because obviously that's what we're talking about here today, and that's what we're really focused on, but I know it's a, quite a big part of multiple of the aspects that you're focused on, but I'm curious to know what some of your leadership strategies have been in driving consumer retention and your methods of implementing those into your business. Yeah, so I've worked in multiple industries, credit cards, airlines, gaming, and now technology and marketing platforms. What haven't you done at this point? That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> There's a lot more to do, but, but let's talk about these. I think at the end of the day, customer retention is all about meeting customers' needs and making sure whether it's their business or whether it's their personal life, that we exceed their expectations and we deliver at a price that makes sense for them. That's the value equation. But behind it, uh, you can get pretty complex in how you think about it. And I think it differs a, a little bit by industry. There's certain industries that are very like, I would call product-centric and product-led. I would say the card industry that I worked in and MailChimp, they're very product-led. If you deliver the right product at the right price, you generally will attract the right customer and generally keep the customer unless your product starts suffering relative to the marketplace or you don't deliver on the service aspect. So it's a simpler model to retaining customers, it's still a very difficult job. You still have to build an amazing product, right? And that's what we build at MailChimp. And you still have to deliver on the customer service side at an exceptional level. But it's a simpler art behind it and strategy behind it. If I go to the very complex, it's the airline industry. I was going to say that. Delta would have been my guess. <laughs> and so it's a very complex world there. To retain a customer, of course, you have to have a great aircraft and you have to have the right network to serve a given city. 
But then a customer's touch points across the whole journey, they have so many different touch points, like starting from booking the ticket to the day before travel, to the day of travel, to even recovery if something goes wrong. It is such an in-depth, service-oriented and experiential component to the experience that a customer gets that you need to deliver on that element as well. And then there's the loyalty program, which is delivering additional value and experiences on top of that. So it's a much more complex equation and you have to get most of that right, not all of it, most of that right for individual customers in order for them to choose you as as a company. So I think the answer around customer retention, first of all, I would ask the question around the industry. What industry are you operating on and what does the customer expect and what would delight the customer? And then you have to look at what your company strategy is, what your company can provide in that industry, what the differentiation factor is, and you have to marry the two. And that gives you the answer around how to retain a customer. I love how simply it's put. And there's so many different aspects to it. So I just want to dive right into there because it seems simple. And I'm sure at the core, it actually is. But it's getting to that point and getting to that core. Actually, speaking of which, I just had an experience where I decided I will no longer fly with an airline because of their recovery, like the process that they had of recovering bags that were lost. And it was such a painful experience that I thought to myself, I don't see myself flying with this airline anymore because I was just so frustrated. It was just not a good time. It just affected the whole trip. So I can't even imagine how many touch points there might be even from the the lounges to the onboarding to the this to the that. But maybe what I'm curious to know, so you mentioned two things. You mentioned that there's more product-led, like the PLG-related companies like MailChimp or the card company, and one more with the complex touch points like the airline industry. So maybe I would love to hear an example from either industry of a time that you implemented a strategy related to customer retention in both. I think it'd be interesting to see the difference between the product-led and the experiential. So... Let me take an example on the complex side of the equation, so the airline industry first. And on the airline industry, when it comes to customer retention, many of these airlines have, for their best customers, essentially have a pickup at the airport, like at Delta, it's a Porsche pickup for the high-value customers where you have a tight connection and and they'll, they'll basically pick you up. And when I got there, their methodology of picking a passenger was a passenger who paid the most on a given flight and has has a tight connection. And so they would pick that up. And what I saw in that experience was uh, a very, what I would call a very lonely experience. I often saw on LinkedIn, uh, these high value customers posting a pic, them sitting alone in the back of a Porsche, uh, taking a photograph with the runway in the background and saying, hey, thank you, airline so-and-so for this amazing experience. And I was like, that's such a lonely sight. And so what we did was we actually changed the formula to pick that same customer up, pick them up, when instead of uh, being on a business trip, because business trip is when a customer pays the most, and so that was the prior logic, to actually picking them up when uh, they're traveling with their family or friends. And now that person is showing up as a hero or heroine in front of their family and friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a much stronger emotion. They're the MVP in that situation. <laughs> they're the MVP in that situation in front of people that matter the most to them most of the times. And so how do you change the equation where you generate a different emotion in a customer by delivering on what matters? matters to them more. That's an example from the airline world. An example from, for example, the MailChimp side of the equation is we have an incredible product, which is pretty rich in data and the power of data empowering in enabling our customers to drive better business outcomes. That's what we do, right? We deliver better business outcomes. 
but because it's uh, on the marketing side, it's sophisticated in terms of how we do that. Sometimes it takes time for a customer to kind of learn that. And in learning and adopting, there is a little bit of a, a curve in, in basically going through that, right? So what we've done at our end is we have a team called an account management team, which is a set of experts who know the product really, really well. And what we've done is we've really driven strategies where we are growing engagement with our customers and getting them introduced to the account management team. That team helps our customers understand how to gain value out of the product. And so when you talk about powering better business outcomes, this team is delivering on that promise. And with the delivery of better business outcomes, our customers want to stay with us more, right? And they're, they're delighted more. And so on the product side, it's more about delivering more value through the product. I couldn't agree with you more there because with something like Gameball, I'm working with Shopify owners day in, day out. So we're working on loyalty strategies, trying to figure out their retention strategies, helping them build that. And the overall sense that you get from these Shopify communities, or we'll, we'll call it small business owners because that's typically the makeup, not all, but obviously a decent size of the makeup of the audience there. But you're always looking for platforms that will support that. And there's a different feeling of being in a small business owner community. And one thing that I've always noticed throughout the years that I've been in this industry is MailChimp is revered as a business that takes care of you to help you get to those business outcomes. Because you know that you can trust MailChimp and you can rely on them because email marketing is a very important aspect of the business. And when you're running that Black Friday, Cyber Monday campaign, you don't want anything to go wrong. You want things to go well. And, you know, you can trust MailChimp and the fact that you can rely on them and trust them. And it's more humanized versus just being an email marketing platform. So I couldn't agree with more because I've actually seen the proof of that. So very interesting. So moving on to the other topic that I'm really excited to learn more from you about is obviously in this range of experiences that you've had, it's all about understanding where is that value being driven for the customer to delight them, surprise them, continue to add on to the value that they're seeing from the brand, no matter or regardless of what industry it is part of. And one thing that I'm curious to know more from your experience and what you've done is this idea of the customer advisory board. So hard to interesting term because I haven't really heard it before. So I'm excited to learn more about it. But in your perspective and your experience, how does one build the ideal customer advisory board and what is it all about? The customer advisory board is a concept that we started a couple of years ago in 2022. The intent behind it is we are a customer obsessed company, which by definition means that we want to keep getting closer and closer to what our customer wants. And we have different, what I term, listening mechanisms that essentially help us learn more about the customers. We do a lot of really big, large-scale customer research across different customer segments. That's one listening mechanism. We have instrumentation in our site that helps us understand how customers navigate and the issues they are having. That's another listening device. These are very data-driven listening devices that I mentioned, but we also want to hear and listen directly from our customers. And so the customer advisory board is the concept that enables us to do that. It's essentially an amalgamation of, for 2023, about 16 different customers and partners who then serve customers. The partners are ones that serve our customers. Well, basically, we think of them as these businesses and customers who help us understand our product better. They are there to advise us. It's in the name, customer yeah. advice. <laughs> 
they're there to advise us and we are lucky to have them as as uh, basically proponents and advocates who basically use the product a lot teach us i'm, I'm going to use the term teach teach us what's working for them and what's not working for them and we use that as feedback to essentially uh, improve our product so that's the simplest way to kind of describe what a customer advisory board is it is one where we we change the board every year. We change the... Okay, that's actually going to be one of my questions. Yes, we do change the constituents there. Part of it is uh, you want to keep getting, uh, uh, reaching out to a new set of customers and, and getting those new ideas because everybody has a slightly different experience with the product. We also want representation from uh, different industries and different segments of customers. So, so it helps with that as well. Also, the issues that we're trying to solve or the opportunities we're trying to present in future to our customers that we're building towards, that changes every year because our product keeps getting better and we want to keep building on that product. And so it's new challenges every year and a new set of customers who will find on those challenges. Okay, very interesting. And I, I guess it's really putting the customer first because you're putting it out there like, hey, we're actually listening to our customers, not just all the touch points, but genuinely having that advisory board. And I'm sure it could also be quite challenging too, because it's balancing all these different opinions and the feedback that customers are giving to you. But what would you say are some of the main benefits to forming this board that's made up of different customers of different industries and changing it every year? What are you seeing as some of the main benefits out of that? I think the biggest benefit of those interactions is you truly get to the bottom of customer motivations and emotions. Like the most important thing in a business is let's understand what motivates a customer and what are the emotions they have around your product and how do you deliver on a better product or a better service that makes that emotion even more better or delightful and amazing. And by having a customer advisory board, you're, you're talking face to face with your customers, you can ask deep questions that then gets to the motivations and that gets to the emotions. That's one of the key things that I would say that comes out of the customer advisory board. Actually, it's really interesting because there's so many questions that could come to mind of when you are a customer first strategy, there can be so many nuances to that and so many questions that arise from that. I'm curious, what are some of the questions that come to mind when you're asking your customer advisory board? What are some of the things that you're trying to understand? Because I'm sure there can be so many complexities to having a customer for a strategy. So I'm curious of what some of those questions might be. I'll tell you the most important question that's always on my mind. And let's say we're building a new feature. Let's say currently that customer's needs are being served by some other product or, or platform in the marketplace. And we're saying, hey, um, one way to ask the question is, what do you need out of this feature and functionality? And let us build it for you, right? That's one way of asking the question and understanding the needs of the customers. Many businesses ask that question. I find that to be a good question, but not a great question. For me, the great question there is, you're using an existing functionality. What do we need to build so that it's so good for you that you're going to switch over to us? Mm, I like that. <laughs> Because we should never be building the same. We should be building better and amazing. And that's what we do at MailChimp. We build better and amazing. I think for me, if there's one key element of the conversation we're having, it's ensuring that we deliver a product that is so amazing that a customer switches from something that yeah, switches their behavior. I also, I like that question a lot because it's not just your standard yes or no. It's not your standard, oh, this is nice to have or whatnot. Because also when that that good question that you asked, 
it's fine. It's just there's a lot of guardrails and it's opening up to very generic answers. And it's just always nice to have. But then if someone is being put in that mindset to think about what would cause me to switch and what would take me from here to here, that's when people start to get creative. And that's when they start to get thinking the sky's not the limit. They can go above and beyond and they can think about whatever. So it really harps on that creativity aspect. Actually, I'm a big proponent of customer research. We do a lot of that at MailChimp. And across my experience, that's one of the biggest shortcomings I've seen is not asking a customer directly, what would make you change your behavior? It's also a tough question to ask. So I feel like it's not the easiest question to put out there so I can understand why, but very interesting. And I guess with this whole idea of this customer first product strategy, it's very innovative and insightful, but I'm sure it comes with its obstacles and challenges. So in your experience, if your strategy of being customer first has led to financial loss or minimal growth, what do you do in the situations? Do you reassess how you're going about the strategy or how do you find that right balance? Because I feel like those would be the the interesting parts of the roller coaster as you deal with a customer first product strategy. It's a great question. And, and so if a business is going through a tough time, I think the fundamental question they have to ask is, are you building a product that's better than most for a big enough set of customers? That if you're building a product that's better than what's available in the marketplace at a price that's reasonable for a big enough set of customers, you will make money. In most markets, you will make money. And so, uh, and in most product categories. So it goes back into knowing your customer intimately. It's incredibly important that you understand your customer to the nth level of understanding. If you think you know enough, go deeper and understand your market, the competitive products, the competitive set. What's your customer moving towards if they're leaving you? Uh, if you can't gain enough customers, where are they sitting with what products? And again, what motivates them to stay with those products? If you understand that clearly, then you would know what to build towards in order to, to get those customers to keep them and hopefully delight them. And I think I would say get closer to your customer and your market. I think that's really interesting because even especially something like MailChimp, it's a competitive market nonetheless. You can't deny the fact that there's a lot of products out there and it's a, it's a tough market to be in. Doesn't mean that you can't succeed in that because obviously you guys have. But it's interesting that you you talk about that and there's obviously that balance between really intimately understanding your customer and everything about them as well as the product and the market itself. And so I'm curious from your experience and your point of view, what does that intersection of product development and customer satisfaction look like? Because you obviously have the customer first, but then you're also focused on the product development, building for what the customer wants. But what does that intersection between the development and the customer satisfaction look like? Because I'm even sure so many of the people listening to this podcast right now would be thinking that this is a constant battle in their minds. I know I've experienced it myself before, so even I'm curious. So that's my posing question to you is what does the intersection of that development and satisfaction look like? It's a very uh, broad intersection, right? And it goes across <laughs> the product life cycle. I think customer satisfaction starts with even before developing the feature functionality or product that you have, making sure you have in-depth research about your customer and your market. And so when you build your product, it satisfies and then delights your customer, right? So it starts there, actually. So customer satisfaction starts even before you build your product. Yeah, <laughs> that's where, fair that's enough, where the, fair enough. That's almost the most important part of the journey. 
But then once you've built your product and launched it or built your functionality and launched it, you have to ensure that I'm going to use the term listening devices again, but you have the right listening devices across your ecosystem where you operate and interact with your customer, right? So if you have a website or an app, make sure you're reading the metrics that matter to your customer to be on an ongoing basis. And you have the right thresholds in terms of those metrics to know what satisfies and delights a customer. Where things fall short, make sure you have that feedback loop into your product team so that they get that feedback and they can build and fix and make things better. So uh, make sure you're very well connected, strong connection between human assistance and your product team. When things don't go right with the product, your customers call human assistance. And so let's ensure we use all of that information, feed it back to the product team so that they can deliver a better, a more satisfied customer. So it's all tied in and you have to make sure the ecosystem is connected and you have the right listening devices before the product is developed, as the product is being released and post. Okay. And that is so many just wonderful points of insight. And one thing that came to mind as you were talking about that actually is a lot of people listening to this podcast, they'll always take away these actionable insights and these strategic tips and go and do something with it right away. That's the nature of us entrepreneurs and business owners, as I'm sure you know, and you are yourself. But I'm curious from your point of view. So let's say you're someone's listening to this podcast right now and they were done the episode and they were going to think to themselves, okay, I'm going to implement this right away. What are some of the questions? And I know you mentioned a couple as you were talking about the listening devices and that connected ecosystem, but I feel it can be a little daunting to think about the whole ecosystem and how to keep everything connected. So I'm curious if you were to give somebody like a survival one-on-one on just a couple of questions to start thinking about this ecosystem and how to get it connected and get everything up and working, what kind of questions would you be asking yourself as that business owner or as that scaling business as you go through that? I think if I were to pare it down to like just one key question, just to keep it really simple, is once a customer uses your product or um, and takes uh, advantage of your service that you provide as a business, how does the customer feel? The most important thing, do they feel frustrated? Do they feel delighted? Or do they feel, hmm, that was good, but you know what? Maybe I won't go back there or I won't use that again. If you understand the emotion, then you can dive deeper into it and then you can start problem solving. So we are, we are all humans. Our actions are driven off of how we feel most of the times. And so let's leverage the power of feeling and emotion in driving better outcomes for our business. I love that. And I think it's, again, simple yet powerful. It's a very easy way to think about things. And it's so true because even a lot of these B2B SaaS platforms and whatnot, at the end of the day, it's humans using it. So why not go off the human emotion and feeling behind it to understand what's really driving all of that and what it makes us feel and what it makes us do. So I really like that. And I'm curious from your point of view and all of your years of experience, what is one of your favorite strategies that you've implemented that is around customer satisfaction and the customer happiness side of things? I try to keep it very simple. And actually the three words, if I were to use like three words to describe how I think about customer retention, uh, those three words would be simple, considerate, and rewarding. If you can build a, a product that is simple to use, if you can deliver a product and experience that is considerate towards your customer, is empathetic. And if you can build a product or a service that is rewarding, then 
as a business, you're going to succeed. And as a leader, you're going to succeed. And so just using that lens of, is my business simple to use? Is it considerate in the moments that matter? And is it rewarding? I think that's an easy lens or simple framework to use. I like that too. Very simple and to the point, but it's very powerful in its, in its meaning as well. And I think that's been the theme of all your insights here. It's just, it's very simple to the core, but very powerful in its meaning and the insight that you can drive from that. So I thank you so much for all of your insights today. And before I let you go, the main or one of my favorite aspects of this entire show is we usually do a quick lightning round of questions and a piece of advice to end off the show. So I'll ask you two quick questions, an advice question, and then we'll be on our way. But just think of the first thing that comes to mind and we'll just go about it that way, okay? So first things first, who would you say has mastered the art of marketing? Doesn't have to be a marketer. This could be an artist, an athlete, anyone, but someone who has mastered the art of marketing. I would say Nike. I say Nike because different brands have different strengths from a marketing perspective. I think Nike is great at inclusion, diversity and inclusion. They have this equality platform where they represent different parts of the world and different elements of humans. And I think that is so powerful because representation is in incredibly important. And uh, the way they represent uh, all of us is uh, in an inspirational way. And I think that is just so much more important. So, so I love them for that. I love that. That's awesome. And if anybody from Nike is listening, I've got my product on. So <laughs> I did the perfect product placement. <laughs> awesome. Okay, next question. What companies or brands marketing output do you admire? I would say a couple of names. One is when Zappos first came. Oh, uh, interesting. That's yes. a good one. It's one where, um, you know, they're basically a shoe company now owned by Amazon. But their whole philosophy of delivering wow to the customer uh, that's what they were uh, they were built to do. And uh, they were just incredible. Whenever you reached out to their customer service, whenever you had any issues with the product, the experience was always wow. And so to me, when you when you have such a simple strategy and then you deliver so, so in such an exceptional way, uh, that's just incredible. And I guess that's why Amazon bought them quite a few years ago. Fair enough. Okay, last but not least, the way that we always end off the episode is with a piece of advice. So is there a piece of marketing or life advice that someone shared with you once that has always stayed with you? I think it applies both to business and the personal life in terms of what I try to do more and more of. And that's building a deeper connection with people around me. Like that's what I strive for. I think build a deeper connection and try to truly understand who people are their past experiences, what has shaped them, what motivates them, and more importantly, how we can take a proactive stance in, in helping the people around us. I think that's just, that's, isn't that what the world should be about? Uh, in my opinion, that's what it should be about. So building deeper connections, I think, is always going to be, uh, I'm not going to use the term helpful because it's not always about gaining something out of it. I just feel as, as humans, that's, we are humans. And we, we need to be out there for each other. Uh, we need to make sure that as humans, we're as happy and joyful and as content as we can be in our lives. And I think building deeper connections is a great way to do that. I love that. Also, not surprised for the guy who's very customer focused. I'm, I'm absolutely sure I was going to hear something about the power of people and connections. So I love the fact that you said, and I think it's so important, especially in this day and age when there's so much going on in the world and there's a lot of... There's a lot of ups, there's a lot of downs, but 
really building that deeper human connection is so important and just makes the world a better place. So I appreciate that. And thank you so, so much for joining us on the show today. It was really lovely to have you, Sandeep. Lauren, thank you so much. I I, I truly had a really, and this was a very energizing conversation for me <laughs> as well. So I, I thank you for investing in MailChimp and in me. Retain the Customer Retention Podcast is brought to you by Gameball. If you want to turn casual buyers into loyal lifetime customers, make sure to check out the episode description to book a demo with Gameball today. Also, make sure to subscribe to Retain the Customer Retention Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and you never miss an episode. Thanks for joining me. See you next time.